Welcome listeners to this Vetfolio podcast as we explore Heart of the Matter, Canine Cardiology Today, sponsored by Beringer Ingelheim Vet Medica, providing value through innovation as the global leader in the animal health arena. This episode features Dr. Kevin Christensen, a veterinary graduate of Kansas State University and cardiology trained at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Christensen is a board-certified veterinary cardiologist who works as a senior scientist in research and development for Beringer Ingelheim Vet Medica. For more information, visit bi-vetmedica.com. My name is Matthew Lyon, and I'd like to welcome you to this, our second episode in our four-part podcast series about how today's progressive clinics diagnose and treat canine heart disease and heart failure. Throughout the series, we'll touch on the importance of long-term care options for dogs, the breeds most susceptible to heart failure, and how we can help pet owners become productive members of the care team. In our first episode, we offered a broad overview of canine cardiology as it relates to heart disease and CHF. This gave us an opportunity to wrap our arms around what canine heart disease is, possible treatment options, and a brief discussion about risk factors. Today, we will take a deeper dive into CHF risk factors, the signs of canine heart disease and congestive heart failure, and some diagnostic best practices. Ready? Let's get rolling. We're joined by our friend, Dr. Kevin Christensen. Dr. Christensen has spent the last 10 years as a veterinary cardiologist and is currently a senior scientist in research and development of pharmaceuticals clinical development at Beringer Ingelheim Vet Medica, Inc. Welcome back, Kevin. It's great to be back. Fantastic. Thank you, Kevin. So in our first episode, we gave kind of a broad overview of canine cardiology as it relates to heart disease and CHF. Right. So we sort of talked about CHF risk factors, but there seems to be so much more we haven't talked about. Only so much time in a podcast. Well, I'm sure we covered uh, the broad percentages. Uh, in terms of prevalence of heart disease in dogs. But within breeds, both large and small, there's more of a breakdown. You remember from the first episode that atrioventricular insufficiency, or AVVI for short, is the largest category of heart disease we all see. And within this group, about 10% of dogs between the ages of 5 and 8 years are affected. 20 to 25% of dogs between the ages of 9 and 12 years, and 30 to 35% of dogs over 13 years. Smaller breeds are far more likely to be affected by AVVI, and certain pure breeds are especially susceptible, such as a Boston Terrier, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, the Chihuahua, the Miniature Pinscher, miniature and toy poodle, Pekingese, and even the Pomeranian. So we want to watch for AVVI in those breeds in particular, but all small breeds are at risk for valvular disease. But when we talk about diagnosing CHF, it can be difficult, right? Well, right. Common clinical signs of CHF, such as coughing and difficulty breathing, are nonspecific 
and may mimic respiratory disease, making diagnosis very difficult. So how do we make an effective diagnosis? Following a series of key steps and using some of the latest diagnostic tools recommended by the Cardiac Education Group, or CEG, and other cardiologists can help us identify and treat CHF earlier in canine patients. The CEG recommends the same diagnostic tools as essential for diagnosing CHF. You'll also be looking at things such as clinical history and physical examination findings. Can you elaborate on that? Signalment is an important consideration when diagnosing congestive heart failure in dogs. It is important to assess the following factors. We'll start with age. Middle-aged and older dogs are more susceptible to heart disease and heart failure. Dilated cardiomyopathy primarily affects middle-aged dogs, and atrioventricular valley insufficiency is most common in older dogs. If we move into breed, small dogs are more susceptible to AVVI, where large and giant breeds are more susceptible to DCM. Also, pay attention to breeds at risk for each disease. And we'll move into a history. To obtain the most complete clinical history of a dog, ask the pen owner, pet owner specific questions about the following factors. Is there a change in attitude, behavior, and activity level? What about exercise intolerance? Any signs of depression, fatigue, are all signs associated with congestive heart failure. There could be changes in breathing. Labor breathing or an increased resting respiratory rate can indicate CHF. You can have changes in appetite and weight. These factors can also signal our problem. Coughing includes elevation of onset and type of cough. Dogs with pulmonary edema have acute cough. Dogs with chronic heart disease have mild intermittent cough. We can look at sleeping habits. Restlessness at night is commonly associated with congestive heart failure. Is there previous evidence of heart disease? Do we have heart murmurs or radiographic changes, such as an enlarged heart, can indicate heart disease? Then we get back into therapy. Consider any preceding treatments, including compliance with heart prevention programs. How does the physical exam help? Performing a thorough physical examination, ideally annually, on your canine patients provides an excellent opportunity to evaluate dogs for the presence of heart disease. The following factors provide important clues to cardiac status and can help detect CHF in dogs. Weight and body condition. When cardiac disease occurs, cachexia, otherwise known as weight loss, is more likely to indicate CHF. Look at respirations. Evaluate rate and effort of respiration. Although normal respiratory rates vary depending on breed, temperature, and weight, a presentation at the 2009 ACVIM forum indicated that when a pet owner measures their dog's resting respiratory rate at home, a measurement higher than 35 breaths per minute is highly suggestive of heart failure. Accuracy can be further improved by determining a baseline respiration rate and watching for subsequent increases in individual dogs. When the resting respiratory rate increases by 25 to 50% or is above 
35 breaths per minute, a diagnosis of CHF should be at least considered. Keep in mind that you can and should involve the pet owner in the observations of the signs of disease. Behringer Ingelheim Vetmedica Incorporated, who sponsored our podcast series, has several pet owner education tools on the topic to help enlist the owner in the monitoring process. This is especially important for breeds at risk for CHF. Remember the Quest study we talked about in Episode 1? That study emphasizes the importance of starting therapy early with Vetmedin at the first clinical signs of CHF. Doing so could improve quality and quantity of the patient's life. If we look at heart rate, CHF causes cardiac output to decrease, which in turn results in an increased heart rate. So animals with relatively slow or normal heart rates, which are usually between 80 to 120 beats per minute, are less likely to have CHF than those with higher heart rates. We can look at jugular distension, include examination of the jugular veins. The presence of abnormal jugular pulses extending more than one-third of the way up the neck and indicates CHF in dogs. We also look at mucous membrane color and skin trigger. Evaluating mucous membranes in a dog provides an indicator of hydration status, peripheral perfusion, and tissue oxygenation. We also look at abdominal distension. We palpate the abdomen to check for abdominal distension. Kevin, what about pulse abnormalities? That's a great point. Identifying arterial pulse abnormalities, such as hypokinetic or small stroke volume, hyperkinetic or large pulse pressure, and pulse deficits. Pulse deficits meaning possible arrhythmia? Right. These abnormalities help determine if a dog has CHF. Pulse deficits found in femoral artery while simultaneously escolting the heartbeat can be indicative of an arrhythmia. What exactly should we be listening to during auscultation? Auscultation of the heart is used to detect abnormalities such as cardiac arrhythmias, we can pick up on irregular heartbeats, tachycardia, bradycardia, heart murmurs, and be sure to consider the intensity. And we may hear extra heart sounds such as gallops or clicks. Areas of auscultation in the heart should include the mitral, the pulmonic, and the aortic valves on the left thoracic wall, and the tricuspid valves on the right thorax. A heart murmur often is the first detectable sign of heart disease. If a heart murmur is detected, thoracic radiographs, including calculation of a vertebral heart score, should be done to determine if the dog's heart is enlarged. Auscultation of the lungs is also used to detect the presence of normal bronchovesicular sounds or abnormal lung sounds, such as crackles and wheezes. And thoracic radiographs, how can they help determine heart failure? Thoracic radiographs provide information about heart size, status of pulmonary vasculature, and changes in the lungs to help differentiate left-sided congestive heart failure from primary 
pulmonary disease. Evaluating the size and shape of the heart silhouette on radiographs is a key step in diagnosing and assessing severity of cardiac disease in dogs. Radiographic results should be used along with the clinical signs and physical exam to determine if CHF treatment is indicated. Makes perfect sense. Now, you said these wouldn't necessarily help us confirm a CHF diagnosis. Are there other tests that would? Well, in an ideal world, we always want to perform additional diagnostics to make sure we have as much information as possible. So if client finances allow an electrocardiogram and a cardiac ultrasound, are two of the diagnostic tests that are really nice to consider. You can certainly make a firm diagnosis based on history, clinical signs, and radiographic changes, but having these two tests gives us a lot of the tangible information about the specifics of how the heart is working from an electrical and mechanical point of view. Great points. Kevin, are those the only other things that you might want to do? Maybe just one more. There is an exciting new blood test called an NT-PRO-BNP for cardiac disease in veterinary patients. NT-PRO-BNP is a protein released in proportion to stretch and stress in the heart and is used to assess the severity of heart disease. I don't think there are any other diagnostic I'd really recommend, but I did want to touch on treatment very quickly. When we talk about medication, the ACVIM currently recommends treatment with vetmedin or pemobendin in conjunction with diuretics and ACE inhibitors at the first clinical signs of CHF. So typically this starts at stage C and runs through stage D. And we know from our first episode that vetmedin is well tolerated. It is. Uh, with over a decade of worldwide use. Of course, there could be some side effects, but they're not considered common. You mentioned those as poor appetite, lethargy, diarrhea, dyspnea, azotemia, and weakness, and ataxia. Yes. Overall, side effects are not common, but those mentioned are the more common ones. So can you explain exactly when chemobendin is indicated? Of course. Chemobendin is given to dogs showing clinical signs of congestive heart failure, due to AVVI or DCM. And we should note that there are no studies using vetmedin in dogs with heart failure caused by other etiologies. Per the ACVM guidelines, vetmedin is normally given in conjunction with diuretics and ACE inhibitors in most cases. Outside of that, the important safety information says pemobendin shouldn't be given to dogs with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy aortic stenosis, or really any condition where adjusting cardiac output isn't appropriate for functional or bodily reasons. That's great. Looking at the clock, we are just about out of time. Be sure to catch episode three of our podcast series where we talk about one of the most important members of the CHF care team, the pet owner. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Christensen. I'm Matthew Lyon, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening to Heart of the Matter, Canine Cardiology Today. Before we leave, 
Here are some important safety informations for vetmedin. Vetmedin has not been studied in dogs younger than six months of age, dogs with congestive heart defects, or dogs with diabetes mellitus, or other serious metabolic diseases. This has been Heart of the Matter Canine Cardiology, underwritten by Behringer Ingelheim Vet Medica. Be sure to catch every episode in the series at vetfolio.com. For more information about VetMedin, visit bi-vetmedica.com. Well, listeners, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for this VetFolio podcast, and be sure to check out the other three episodes in this series.